market is closed. Good Tuesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler here is here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Well, this morning, it started out with a pretty strong market looking like it was going to be a turnaround Tuesday. Unfortunately, that marked the peak of today's trading. And then shortly after the open, we got the news out of Taiwan that they had fired upon a Chinese drone. And of course, the financial mainstream media took that and ran with it. You know, that's the financial mainstream media always has to give a headline reason for the market selling off. We don't see that as the reason for today's sell-off. Uh, I'll get to that here in a second, but I say that, and I'll cover this more later as well, but we're not seeing the signs of a new invasion in the commodity markets, in cryptocurrencies. You know, To take the most recent example, when Russia invaded Ukraine, gold began rallying a month in advance. Bitcoin began rallying a month in advance as well. We're just not seeing those signs here just yet is really most of our commodities are at recent low low levels as far as gold, copper, silver. Um, so we're just not seeing it in the commodity market just yet. So a lot of this, as we see it, is still stemming from Jay Powell's meeting in Jackson Hole on Friday and his comments there and the plethora of Fed presidents, Fed speakers, who have been jawboning this market lower again and again. And we also got news out yesterday that the expectations for a 75 point basis hike, or 75 basis point hike, uh, rose to 72.5% for their next meeting. But the consensus here really is still for 2023 to have no rate hikes. And really, as we see it, the Fed just can't wait to get back to cheap money policies, first of all, and also cutting rates. Uh, the Japanification of countries across the world. And so if that means that the Fed needs to engineer a recession in order to get back to those points, then so be it. We don't think that'll be the case. We continue to look for a melt-up into November's, <laughs> November's, into November, but... You know, when you think about the world of financial engineering that we live in now and that we've written about in Kip and I's latest book, The Big Bribe, uh, which is out now at bigbribebook.com, you know, you can see just how much they want to manipulate this system. I like to think about, I think about this probably too much, but I think it is a funny analogy. If you ever watch The Office, the character Dwight Schrute in one of the episodes says, I can raise and lower my blood pressure at will. And Jim says to him, well, why would you want to raise your blood pressure? And he says, so I can lower it. That's essentially what the Federal Reserve has done here, right? It's just a stair-step move lower for the last 40 years in rates. And we don't see that, that they want to bring that to an end anytime soon. So at the end of the day, kind of tie it all together, we continue to look at this as an overbought pause. It's also, as Kim mentioned in his midday update today, the last day of August, a typically weak period of the year as people are just about getting ready to get back into the office full time. And we are headed into September, which is historically a weak month of the year. Doesn't mean that it always is the weakest month of the year, but over the last 10 to 20, it has been. 
But what has been 100% accurate that Kip and I have talked about a lot, he's talked about it today in today's midday update, but, and we've talked about it a lot. And again, 100% accurate here. And historical data doesn't always guarantee future results, but we love stats like this. Going back to 1950, in midterm years, the lows come in between August 14th and September 4th. So we're right in that time frame right now. Then from there is when it really gets exciting. The markets rally for the rest of the year. And one year later, 18 out of 18 times, the market is higher with an average gain of 32.3% over the next year. So massive gains there. And the timing, really the timing of this, almost you couldn't have written a story any better because we are reaching oversold levels now. And if you remember just two weeks ago, or if you follow our blog, or if you're a VRA member, uh, you know, as always, thank you for tuning in here with us. But we've been alerting our members to this since two weeks ago. We had gone on a great rally for our markets. We had reached overbought levels and actually beyond what we had seen in recent rallies. Uh, we were at not only short-term overbought levels, but extreme overbought on our other VRA momentum oscillators as well. So that is when bad things tend to happen. And just to the other side, when we get to oversold levels, that is when our markets at least want to bounce. But in our view, this is going to be more than a bounce uh, as we head in, especially into November, looking at the midterms and then beyond, like the statistic that I just shared there. Uh, but given that we are looking for a big move higher here, and again, headed into the midterms is the perfect time for it. You know, the Dems and their cronies over at the Federal Reserve, they're going to be calling up the plunge protection team, doing everything they can to get this market higher and you know, it will help their chances in the midterms in November. Because if we're still, you know, heading lower in November, it's going to be an absolute red wave. But given that we're looking for a big move higher into November and really into next year as well, this is when we can be patient. There's no need to try to catch a falling knife here, right? So we've got a few signs that we want to look for for the turn. Uh, but again, you know, we can be patient. So what we're primarily looking for here in this turn uh, is something that Kip talked about as well today, but it is in the semis. So the semis peaked on August 15th, okay? They're down roughly 13% since that time. You know what else peaked just after that? Our major indexes peaked on the 16th. So the semis tend to lead our market both to the downside and to the upside. So if we can get the semis starting to lead the way higher here, just like they led the way lower, that is exactly what we want to see from here. But so semis also have been hit the hardest. So again, leading the way lower, again, down 13% roughly, where our major indexes down eight to 10%. So not great, but again, we've reached these oversold levels that so often we get big, big rallies off of. So that's the entry signal. You know, as we see it, dips going into November need to be bought. And once we get back to overbought readings, you know, depending on how you trade or invest, um, you know, we'll be looking at it again, taking another look in November. So 
uh, really should be an exciting end to the year here. Uh, so let's take a look at our market action on the day to day. We were led, if you want to say that, down the least was the Dow Jones down 0.96% to 31,790. We were followed there uh, by the S&P 500 down 1.1% on the day to 3,986. Next up, the NASDAQ just about the same percentage wise to 11,883. And lastly, the Russell 2000 down just under 1.5% to 1,855. The good news here is that we are starting to see possibly the very beginning of that term. We didn't finish obviously at the highs of the day because we were positive this morning, but we were able to finish off of the lows and pessimism absolutely abounds at these levels here. Take a look at the put call ratio today. It's only reading below a one today was the very first print. Every other one was above a one, most of them above a 1.2 on the day. Uh, the last readings here were at a 1.23. Keep in mind, the average put call ratio is a 0.7. Usually people are buying more calls than puts. So to get a 1.23, that is excessive bearishness in the market here. So, you know, again, we'll be alerting you to when we start to see this turn happen. No need to rush into positions here because as we see, we've got a big move higher coming our way. Looking at our internals on the day, similar story to our markets. After the open this morning, even when our markets had turned negative, the internals were still positive. They can lag a little bit on an on a intraday basis. But the internals were looking good, and then we, we kept heading lower. Ultimately, they flipped and did not look back from there. Declining stocks, beating out advancing stocks, over three and a half to one negative for the NYSE, just under three to one negative for the NASDAQ. Uh, 52-week highs and lows, also negative across the board here. And lastly, volume, 3 to 1 negative on the NYSE and just under 3 to 1 negative for the NASDAQ. Looking at our sectors on the day-to-day, -day, all 11 S&P 500 sectors finished, excuse me, lower on the day-to-day. -day. Our leaders, if you want to call them that, were financials, healthcare, and communication services. Our laggards were energy as oil got beaten up badly today. I'll get to that here in a second. Uh, then followed by materials, industrials, and utilities. <clears throat> Finally for today, our VRA commodity watch, gold. So as I mentioned earlier, if we see this China-Taiwan you know, conflict escalating from here, we would see gold rallying. Like I said earlier, if you look back to both, you know, the R Russian invasion of Ukraine and the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, gold began rallying well in, well in advance of at least the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Down, gold down today, eight-tenths of 1% to $1,735 an ounce. Silver down even bigger, 2.12% to $18.16 an ounce. And copper now down 1.5% to $3.55 a pound. Lastly here for our commodities, oil, as I mentioned, down big, 5.25% to $91.91 a barrel. And finally for today, Bitcoin, lower on the day as well. So I went back and looked at some of the charts here because uh, you know we're talking about this China-Taiwan situation and it's very similar. So during the Afghanistan withdrawal, Bitcoin rallied. And you can see the reason why that Bitcoin could actually have an outs 
an outsized return compared to gold, if you're fleeing a country, what's the easiest way to get your money out? You, you want it out of that currency because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, so much instability wreaks havoc on currencies, right? So Bitcoin, you can move it through the internet uh, versus gold. You can't carry, you know, hundreds. I mean, it really 50 pounds of gold out of the country. First of all, I mean, <laughs> in a war stricken country, how are you going to get access to that? So Bitcoin in that scenario can have outsized returns. And that's a, you know, it's such a new, um, you know, I hate to say store of value, um, but a way of, of moving money, right? That we don't have a whole lot of historical data there, but we saw the same in Russia as well. Bitcoin began to rally huge in the month leading up to the Russian invasion and then peaked roughly a month later, right about the same time as gold. So if we start to see more news about China, Taiwan, and we, you know, you're kind of wondering, you know, where is this headed to? Those two are the main areas uh, really that you look at for early indicators, right? Maybe not perfect, but could be strong early indicators. And Bitcoin down as well, was higher earlier today, down 1% now, below 20K of Bitcoin at 19,965 of Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at vrainsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thank you also for all of your you know phenomenal feedback on the big bribe. We're so happy that it's out there now. Uh, you know, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at any time. And if you haven't gotten your copy yet, you can get it at bigbribebook.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.